Well, it's interesting that last Sunday was Resurrection Sunday, and um, last Thursday was almost Homicide Thursday in our family. And I'll tell you why. Uh, it had a lot to do with a little bit of, uh, of a conflict that emerged in conversation, and it was just around a very normal, actually neutral gathering at Inner Circle Pizza in Canfield. I mean, how nonviolent can uh, an environment be? But something came up, and you know what it was? It was a movie called Endgame. End Game. You see the trauma <laughs> that is not on her face because it is on my son's face. She was just eating her food and Stephen said, I know how it ends. And you said, what? Shh. Shh. You know, if you've ever seen Austin Powers, which I don't recommend it, you know the shh, shh. That's what was going on. Why? Why was that so significant uh, that he couldn't tell you, Amanda? She's already left. She's already worked up about it. Okay, so we have family issues that haven't been resolved over uh, a, a silly movie. However, I don't think it's so silly because of all the weekends that the box office has garnered money. Last weekend was the highest revenue-earning weekend for movies. $300 million to go see a Marvel Comics, no disrespect, but a movie about superheroes. Now how many of you have seen it? You're like, yeah, we're not. Okay, all right, there's one. Maybe some others are like, oh, there's others. There's others they're not telling because they don't know where I'm going and they don't want to be like, yeah, sorry, I raised my hand now. Don't worry, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I am going to take her to see it in a couple of weeks when we can really enjoy it. But I have to tell you, it's very difficult when you have a whole set of narratives that have emerged over the span of years and years that center on various superheroes emerging in one great big meta-narrative that concludes in a way that seems kind of ominous, like world's end, like it's all coming to an end, like the ride is over, and yet everybody wants to know. So much so that it's been reported that there have been violent acts that have been uh, waged against people who have gone to movie theaters and said, I know how it ends. And then people are like, don't tell us. And they did. And then all of a sudden, they woke up in the hospital. So I'm thinking, why are people so intense about just a movie for crying out loud? I think a lot of it has to do with the buildup, honestly, because since um, right around the time we moved out here, this thing started to get fired up. And you saw, you saw, well, you saw Captain America, you saw Iron Man, and on and on and on into the development of these characters for this final scene. And if you've waited this long, you want it to end in a way that the timing is right. That whenever it happens, you'll know what you need to know when you need to know it. And if you just look at the fascination that people have with this movie, I think if you dig a little bit deeper, perhaps you pull on the thread a little bit, what you find is there is something in the telling of those stories that resonates deeply with you and I. And perhaps it has to do with the fact that we like superheroes because they say something about life that 
we like to hear that good overcomes evil, right? That people who oppress and violate, exploit and extort and abuse and steal from and murder and all of that will one day have their comeuppance. And I think when you look at the superheroes, you know that as they've developed in their own unique plot, plot, uh, plot lines, that they have had this intent that was shared, that they want to do what is best for the people that they're called to serve. And I think that's why they resonate so much. As you just see this thing unfold with all of those themes going on, I, gotta, I, got, I can't help but wonder if people are saying, wouldn't it be great if we had a superhero like that in real life for everything? That the evildoers would get their comeuppance and those who defend and protect the innocent or the vulnerable, well, we celebrate what they've accomplished. Now, if you just kind of go a little bit further into a couple of the characters, one of them is Captain America. Anybody see Captain America? A couple of you have seen it. A couple of you are saying, not raising my hand. <laughs> Let me just spoil it for you. Captain America had... Well, he was just kind of a wimpy guy who was uh, wanting like anything to go into the military and serve in World War II. But he didn't have the qualifications in his physicality and in and, 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 and so many parts of his being that he couldn't. But something dramatic happened to his life and he was transformed and he became somebody who emerged as a superhero. Then there's Iron Man. Iron Man had... Uh, a lot of smarts, he was well resourced as a trust baby, precocious, but a little bit unstable and miscalibrated in his approach to life until some significant events happened and he started to focus on right and wrong and clarify what that means and then begin to leverage all that he had been blessed with so that he could take what was right or stolen from righteous causes and restore it allow justice to unfold and enact it through leveraging his capacities as a trust baby who has come to his senses and now has found wisdom. All of those things are ways of describing a couple of people in, the, in that larger meta-narrative that have said to themselves as they've looked at the injustices, somebody's got to do something about this. Who's it going to be? And then they were given a gift. And they've taken that as a responsibility and all the stories are the execution of how that comes into play in different scenarios which has been pretty exciting and pretty interesting but there are some people who are saying it's all about to end now I haven't seen it I haven't heard spoilers so I can't tell you where it's going some of you are like I think I do know but I'm scared now because this is Christian but I suspect that when a storyline like this is on the line, they too may get violent. Trust me, I don't think that's going to happen, but let's just stop for a minute and reel it into the narrative that we're a part of. It's the meta-narrative that God has been working on for a very long time, beginning all the way back into the garden and then through the storyline of significant people like Abraham and Moses and David and some others that you've probably heard of to the place where everything that God had been building and building and building in 
plot lines and storylines and stories that seemed to go off the rails but last minute got back on again. God saying to anyone who would hear, there's a story. And it appears like it's not going where it needs to go. But because I'm writing the story through the lives of the people who have responded to the call, I'm going to work everything out together for good. And that's just his pattern. That's the way he is. And in truth, when we see the superhero model, I honestly believe that we're looking for the God that we have become disconnected from. And as we take those experiences, we think, yeah, that sort of satisfies what I'm longing for. But we walk away from the movie thinking, man, I just wish the next one would come out tomorrow. Some people go back because they want to relive it. But at the end of the day, it's just a useful fiction. It's just something made up. However, I personally believe it is a signpost in its own weird way to the thing that has drawn us into this room. It is something that God uses. It's a pattern of good versus evil and good uh, overcoming it through a series of conflicts and, and misadventures and, and, and moments where it appears all is lost. That's the Bible. Well, Easter every year, whether you're Protestant and Catholic and you celebrated it last week or you're Eastern Orthodox and you're celebrating it this week, is usually drawn into sharp focus. And whether you're from one tradition or another, you will hear these words. He is risen. And the congregation will respond, how? Yes. Yes, but my question for each of you, is he really? Do you really believe that he's risen? And maybe you're saying, you're preaching to the choir here, Pastor. I believe it. But then when we step out of this room and we have all of those needs that people who are living in the world of the superheroes have, where we need to be delivered, where we need to be, uh, everything needs to be brought into order, where the oppressors need to be taken off of our backs, all of those things, we may be asking ourselves, what role does the resurrection play in that when I get up on Monday and I go to work? Is there really power in that? Does it change things? Well, you get up on Monday and you go to work. What drives you other than your car to work? Is maybe the need to provide? Maybe the need to escape? Maybe the need to find something that is meaningful and fulfilling? Maybe when you go to work and you realize that those things are kind of being met, you're saying to yourself, is it going to be a good day or a bad day? Because of everything that's going on in the workplace. And maybe you're thinking, I'm on countdown mode. I can't wait for the day that I retire when it'll all be better. And I won't have this person or that circumstance or that demand placed on me. And perhaps when you think about that, you're not even considering how the power of the resurrection even plays a role. The truth is, we like superheroes because many of them have gone from life that is ordinary to extraordinary. And there's something about us that, 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 that kind of likes that. Anybody pretend that they were, <laughs> this is, this is I'm going to get no hands. Anybody pretend that they were a superhero when they were a kid? 
Good for you guys. Honesty is the best policy. There we go. My own kids, they wore capes, and they had their own fictional battles and their own way of trying to assume that alter ego. And maybe you did too. And when you did, what was so cool about it? Care to share? What did you like about being a superhero as a kid? So you, you could use your imagination and, and it would take you out of your situation because you, you, didn't, you weren't in that circumstance and that person anymore. And it was a way of, of dealing with things. Which I think kids do that as well. And when you take that cape and you put it on, do I see a hand back there? I need to hear it. Yeah. Were you like me? You were raised on Wonder Woman in the 70s? Well, uh, yeah. 80s? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or are you just thinking, yeah. Yeah. So she obviously was an empowering figure for you. Yeah. Well, you, she must have made enough of an impression that you raised your hand amongst a bunch of strangers, who, by the way, this is a safe place, so it's all good. Okay? So we're drawn to it because there's, there's, there's a figure that we, that we see that is empowering. And... We long for that because we don't feel fully empowered over the circumstances of our lives, do we? We don't feel like every day I have total and complete control of everything that I do, do we? Usually life has a way of pushing out your ability to do much. And it's all you can do to just stay in control sometimes. And oftentimes you're just carried along by the powers that be. Whether it is the burden of your work or whether it is circumstances that you can't change or... You're trying to do something good for somebody and it would appear no good deed goes unpunished. And that's life, isn't it? And there's an there's a, there's a urge inside of us to say, wouldn't it be great one day just to wake up and my head is clear and I'm, I'm, my, my thoughts are where they need to be and I need to do something and I go and I do it and I have joy. And I, and I have some struggle, but it's not the kind that's obnoxious. It's a good kind of struggle, a good challenge. Not sideways drama that just throws the whole thing off. Wouldn't that be great? And you're saying, well, where are you going with this? What does this have to do with the power of the resurrection? But I honestly think that when Jesus rose from the dead, it wasn't so that you and I could just get our fire insurance paid up, you know, so we don't go to hell. Like Jesus, I believe, so please, 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 as I eke out the rest of my time, I hope that I don't go to hell when I die. I honestly think that that wasn't the full sum of what Jesus had in mind when he did what he did. I truly believe that he knew that when we were deviating from the path, we were just as much as part of the problem as everybody else. And if for the whole thing to be rescued, everybody has to come correct. And so this is a monumental task to bring order to the chaos that is happening, not in just the victims' lives and the circumstances or the victimizer, but rather 
the contribution that we're all making collectively to that. And the cross is Jesus' way of saying, you need something greater than what you have currently. You need something that has superhero elements to it, for sure. And he became one of us so that he could accomplish what through the physicality and the thinking and the limitations of our humanity could only be accomplished through somebody who was totally and completely abandoned in their will and purpose to God. You see, Jesus, you could say, yeah, he was a superhero for sure. He could do whatever he wanted to do. But let's just back up a little minute. Because I honestly think Jesus didn't come to save us from hell or even save us for heaven. But he also came to identify with what we go through in any given day. So he was born under messy circumstances. Uh, scripture says that he was raised in an environment that was semi-impoverished. That he grew in wisdom and stature. So there was development happening. And the only thing I can make of it was that he truly was God. But he, was, he, he had limited his capacities. So that his choices were constrained to what God would look like if he said, I willingly reduce my capacities to be like a human. Now, there's a whole lot of debate about what that means. As a matter of fact, just a sidebar, when the early church started getting off the ground, people were asking the question, okay, we understand that Jesus is one of us, but what do we do with that? And some people said, well, if you take it to its logical conclusion, Jesus must have been created by God at one point in time. And then other people were saying, no, he was God before, he's always been God, and he reduced himself down to our circumstances and was born into the world through the incarnation. And as people were debating that, it got heated. And I don't, if there's kids in the room, I apologize for this, but I'm going to tell you something about a favorite figure that you didn't know. That St. Nicholas was a boxer. Do you know that? That there was a council in 325 called the Council of Nicaea. And there was a guy named Arius who said, Jesus was created. And there were others, like a guy who became later St. Nick, who said, no, he wasn't. He has always been God. He always will be God. And he reduced his humanity, or his divinity, to our humanity so that he could identify with us. And it got so intense that I saw, perhaps just reading the historical account of it, the same kind of thing that was emerging between Amanda and Stephen at the Circle Pizza. Only in this case, St. Nick just threw down, pulled the glove off, and punched Arius right in the face. Truth be told, not the best way for a church to create conflict resolution scenarios. But it was his way of saying, it is so important for you to grasp the fact that Jesus was God who reduced his capacities to a man and accomplished what he did. If you don't get that, everything is just a wash. So what I want to tell you guys today is that we celebrated Holy Week. We saw Jesus crucified and everything leading up to that, every moment of his life was a way of developing whatever he needed to have for that, that mission and that purpose. Everything went into it. Even to the point where he said, my humanity is starting to break down here, Father, and I know I'm getting ready to be crucified, and if it is your will, please take it away from me. And he wasn't just acting. It was his way of saying, I'm feeling it. 
And he faithfully followed through. And on that cross, all of the sins that are the product of all of the evil acts that have happened were just brought down upon his being where the full weight of everything past, present, and future was consolidated in that moment into his being. And he just, he endured it. Not like a superhero with superpowers, but like a man who said, I am faithfully committed to the will of the Father. And I know this looks like the end, but it's not because I trust him and I trust the process that he's been working through in space and time to this moment. I trust that he is, he's going he's gonna to get me through this. And I trust that in three days, he's going to raise me up from the grave. And it's easy, isn't easy to say, yeah, in hindsight, I, it was easy for him to do. But when you don't know exactly how it's going to play out, that's hard. But in hindsight, people were asking, who was Jesus? And how did he accomplish so much, so powerfully? And how did he influence things in the way that he did? This is, this is what every believer needs to understand. And I'll put a, a scripture up there. Let's go ahead and put the scripture from Acts up there, the first one. And it says simply this. Peter said, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God has exalted Jesus to his right, right side as leader and savior so that he could enable Israel to change its heart and life and to find forgiveness for sins. Because the fact of the matter is, it isn't good versus evil, but rather it is evil that goes down the middle of all of us that has to be dealt with. And on the cross he did that. And some people said, we want to take that first step and take our own evil and our own sin and our own shame and place it on that cross so that we can find forgiveness and healing and eternal life. It's a necessary first step. Secondly, as this is unfolding, the early church is talking about this in a variety of ways. And one thing that they said was, it was God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. It wasn't Jesus saying, I'm a superhero now. And within me is this capacity to just generate what I need to blast out of here. No. Uh, let's go on with the scriptures. Paul explained in Acts 13, We proclaim to you the good news. What God promised to our ancestors, he has fulfilled for, for us, their children, by raising up Jesus from the dead. And I'll just stop right there. And I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I did a funeral, I, I think it was last Monday, and it was a graveside, just a small family gathering. And I got there a little bit early, and the grandmother got there early, and, and um, this was the grandmother's mom who had died, and we were trying to figure out how we could best share what we needed to share with the family. And she said, here's what's going on, Pastor. I have three kids that are going to show up. None of them have ever been to a funeral before. One is eight, one is uh, 13, and the other one's almost 18. And this is pretty new for them. And just a couple of weeks, their grandmother was fine. And then, life being what it is, next thing you know, we're here. And the eight-year-old especially is having a hard time wrapping their mind around what's taking place. It's just not real. It doesn't make any sense. And they're wondering, wh 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 where is grandma at 
really. And so we talked about it and she said, how, pastor, do I help him to understand where she is? And I said, it, it really has a lot to do with a story that he may or may not be familiar with. And I can tell you the story and tell him the story, but the story has so much going on that it's like any story. You have to read it or hear it a few times before you can really see a lot of things. It's not just an easy A plus B equals C, but rather you kind of got to begin at the beginning. And you have to show that what we're experiencing here is framed within a larger story of what was accomplished on Easter. And that, of course, was the culmination of a whole lot of stories that found, in a sense, um, their, 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 their full completion in that event. You with me? So you see how challenging it can be sometimes to share the biblical story other than Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you, which is true, but if you're like me, I need to know why. Because I want to wake up every day and say, yeah, I've heard a lot of little sayings that have carried me here and there, but that one, I need more information to know whether or not it's real, whether or not it's true, or whether or not it makes a difference. So we got some stuff in the air because I'm telling you a somewhat complicated story. And it's this. Jesus became one of us. And when he did, he was faithful to the story. The second thing you need to know is that the, the end result of what he set out to do was the resurrection that changed everything. So you have a heroic figure who was primarily heroic because he honored the Father's will and was enabled by the Father. And when he died and rose again, he set into motion the same superpower for lack of a better way of describing it. When the resurrection happened, it was first a declaration to death. You no longer are the great intimidator and bully that you have been for so long. You, my never, ever, no longer, or nor ever will be friend, are not a threat anymore. Your sting has been removed. If I were a tyrant and I was running a country and I wanted to make sure that everybody did what I wanted them to do, guess what I'd threaten them with? I'd probably threaten them with killing them or a family member because our deepest, deepest fear is that which we do not know. Death. And all of us know that it's pretty much 100% that it's going to happen. And some of us have made our peace with it and others run away from it. But at one time or another, it will happen. And the power of the resurrection is this. It will happen, but it is not the end. But rather, it is a pivot from life to life immortal. And Jesus said, I want you to begin living that life right away. I want you to go from a dead way of living that is constantly looking out and around and thinking, 
I hope the circumstances are right. I hope the stars converge. I hope that everything that has to do with things I have to respond to and react to in life, I hope against hope that at least it's going to be a good day because I have no control. Two, waking up and knowing all that's going to happen anyway, but now having the internal strength to face it. And not only face it, to begin to thrive in it. Because God said, I'll even work it together for good if you let me. And that's a whole other thing. And it can only happen if you're born again. You see, the hidden thing about the whole superhero equation was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that is the product of Jesus coming out of the grave. He said, I got to go so you can have this presence in your life. It's what makes it work. It's what takes you from being a, a, a negative, perhaps insecure, perhaps identity challenged, perhaps feeling unworthy, perhaps being bitter, angry, jealous, filled with rage, fearful to a person that says because the resurrection powers at work and I'm on board yeah circumstances haven't changed a whole lot but you know what I am God's child I am protected by the blood of Jesus I have a new identity in him when I look at what he did and he said we did that for you I feel pretty valuable and not only that, because I've been that guy, I've been that negative, bitter, hostile, and just throw whatever attitude and state of mind in the mix that you said, I don't like this about myself. And the cross is sort of there to take out the garbage. And the empty tomb is there to say, it's a new day. It's a new day, Leonard. How about instead of worrying about what happens to you all the time, forget about it. How about some joy that no matter what you're going through, just kind of keeps you going all the time. Instead of being in turmoil and frustrated all the time, how about a peace that passes all understanding? Instead of having a love for people and things like that that's just transactional. Yeah, if you give, uh, I'll give. If, if you take, I'll take. A love that's premised on so much that has to do with everything going right to a love that's just unconditional. Jesus loved me. It's easy to, for me to love you no matter what. Even if you spit in my face, it's easy for me to love you because I know what he did for you. And you're caught up in something that I used to be caught up in. It's weird like that. But it's so good. It is so extraordinary that the power of the resurrection at work in God's people is God's way of saying, this is just sort of priming you for what's to come. And it only gets better. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take comfort in knowing I have overcome the world. And my goal for this message is simply this. Jesus didn't come into the world to be the kind of superhero that we could never be. But rather he came into the world to be faithful to everything that God called him to do. And Jesus even said, I can't do anything unless the Father helps me.
And as he was faithful, God said, trust the process. Trust me in the process. And where you are at right now, trust that I will be there with you and for you and I will lead you through it. And so Jesus trusted. And what he's asking for you and I, because of what he's done that is so epic and monumental that people should be actually fighting over who can tell it first. He changed reality. But the sad part is, until we know that, we're just living a lie. We're living in an old set of beliefs that said, None of that matters. None of that makes any difference. But the power of the resurrection, according to the scripture, is a change in everything. The age, the cosmos, everything. You can't see it, but it is an invisible reality that is clearly putting clues all over the place. And so if you've been a follower of his for a while, my encouragement... In this part, because of the great love that has brought you to that place, is to just keep following him in that spirit of his great love, trusting him, and doing whatever it is that he's, whatever hand he's dealt you in this day, do it. And his superpower will come out in your life. Something will happen inside of you. It'll be different. We were talking, Josh and I were talking about a, 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 a song leader, and it wasn't Brian, but this one uh, evidently was somebody that you would think, how did that person ever become a song leader until they got up and they sang? And it's like, God did something pretty special here with that person. And this is one of a million examples of what happens when we tune into God. Something starts working in us that isn't from us. Is God working? Because the power of the resurrection is at work in us. Now I've used a whole bunch of words. And for some of you I've been bumping my gums up here. But I'm just trying to tell you what almost can't be told. But more than that I want to invite you into that story as well. Because just like everybody showing up to see a story that is not real. There will come a day when your story, my story, our stories together will converge in one great big world's end moment. And God said, if you saw the world's end, this really is the real thing. And I want you to be a part of it. He's not just saying, I want you to watch from the sidelines. I want you to be a part of something. Day in and day out. That's moving the goodness of who I am into the brokenness of the world we inhabit. We're the only ones. It's really up to us. Jesus didn't stick around and say, I'll stay here and do it all for you. He said, no, I'll leave and I'll do it all through you. So I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you perhaps into three things today, my friends. If you're not in, connected to that story, one is sure. I don't want to see anybody perish apart from God and the reality of his kingdom and the future of the new creation. I want to see everybody included in that and so does God. I want you to experience heaven when you die in a way that says when it's time to go I've made my peace with death because I'm not afraid of it anymore because I've made my peace with the Lord. And then I want you to leave here hopefully with a sense that God's called me to live in the moment. Day by day, 
Maybe I'm too distracted by my device and I need to do like restaurants are doing and put a box on the table where you put that in so that you can pay attention. And I've been too distracted by other things that keep me from thinking about God and it's time to tune in. So I'll just end this with that. I know it's a long message and I apologize for its duration but I hope and pray that when you leave here that that phone call from God is for you.